Laura. It's Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Nick Jimenez. I'm Scott Corelli. Today we are continuing our mini-series on the Rocky franchise with the start of the Creed franchise and the greatest legacy sequel of all time. It's 2015's Creed. And we don't have a guest. Joining us to talk about Second Chances, Legacy, and that John over there is nobody. <laughs> uh, had a cool guest planned. He's busy. We're busy. We'll do it ourselves, Scott. <laughs> I hope everyone's been enjoying the franchise. Sorry if the the vibes are. This is kind of coming. We have like a we we've taken a break. Yeah, um, it's actually kind of perfect because we took like mm-hmm. a, it's been like a month since we recorded the Rocky Balboa episode that you guys heard last week, and so, uh. Visiting this movie, revisiting this movie was like, oh, some time has passed. And so like it it like it hit the way that it should, I guess. Like everything kind of hit the way the Rocky stuff all hit the way that it should, I think. Yeah. We're not the same people we were back when we recorded that Rocky Balboa episode, <laughs> Scott. It's true. <laughs> um and I will say it really did. I I there were moments where even more so than when I saw this movie back in 2015, moments hit me. Mm-hmm. Where like oh I know exactly what bridge Adonis is walking under. Oh like, yeah, Mickey's gym. It's right over there. It's all still here. You know, like like, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I and I guess just to get things started on that note, I first saw this movie in theaters Thanksgiving ish weekend in 2015 during a really cool time in my life. I was living in the city of Chicago. Mm. Uh, you and I may have we were either about to meet in person for the first time or it had already happened because it's like I hold a lot of affection for this time period because it's like I was in Chicago I it was snowing at Christmas for the first time because I grew up in the south and like the movies like Creed was coming out Force Awakens was coming out yeah and in the middle of it, like I came to visit you and met you and Bethany for the first time, and and Chelsea and Morgan and all kinds of people. That I'm yeah, yeah, to. that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, twenty fifteen. Was there a better? Is there a better year? A better single year for franchises than twenty fifteen? <laughs> that's true. Like down the line. Yeah, you got Fury Road. Yeah. Um. So Fury Road, Pitch perfect too. Jurassic World, which you know right. we are fans of on this podcast, um, Jurassic World, Force Awakens, um, you know, I mean, it was just like this, you know, Creed, mm-hmm. um, Paul Blart Mall Cop Two, naturally, yes, um, yeah. Uh, what were the what were the Marvel movies? It was Age of Ultron, right? And then, yep, 
That's Ant-Man. mind-boggling that <laughs> Age of Ultron came out the same year as Force Awakens. That freaks me out. I don't right? <laughs> like that. I don't like what that does to my brain. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe a Fifty Shades came out that year. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, interesting. This, is, uh, this was like, I feel like this was like peak... Whatever this era that we're in right now, where like everything is a franchise and everything is blockbusters, and those are the only things that make any money at, in theaters, I think this was like the peak of that era of this era that we're currently in. I think was 2015. I feel like yeah, it feels like we're kind of in the raging against the dying of the light part right now. Yes, where it's like something new is happening, but it's not strong enough to take over the the monolith yet but it's starting right. to happen yeah yeah you can feel the shift happening it's starting um 2015 was was a crazy year yeah i i i i i saw this i think in fort wayne i'm pretty sure um thanksgiving yeah i think i saw this i want to say i saw this like opening night like as soon as i could i don't think it didn't open on thanksgiving right I actually I, I looked it up because I was like, "Are we? Wa- am I watching this on the anniversary?" Um, it came out on November twenty fifth, twenty fifteen. If I'm not mistaken, November twenty fifth, twenty fifteen, and Thanksgiving, twenty fifteen was the next day. So maybe I saw this because I definitely remember seeing this in Chicago. So maybe I saw it like a weekend late or something. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I, I likely saw this, yeah, because I wouldn't have seen an early screening. We didn't have things like that in the Midwest. Um, so, so I, uh, I likely saw this on opening day because I wouldn't have gone down to Indianapolis for Thanksgiving until Thanksgiving Day. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I definitely saw this. Oh, um, wait, did, yeah. did you see Rocky Balboa? It's been a month. Did you see Rocky Balboa in Florida or Indiana? Indiana. Was it the same theater? That'd be fun. No. Okay. No, no, no. Because I saw, I saw Rocky Balboa in Columbus, I believe. Okay. Um, I'm back. And, yeah. And this, this I saw. I'm pretty sure I, I either saw this in Fort Wayne or Indianapolis. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really remember the 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 theater going experience of this one, honestly. Some sometimes you don't, and that's yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I just remember the movie. You know, like I just remember. I think I was just so bowled over by the movie that it was like, yeah, the 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 setting of seeing it didn't really matter to me this time. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm getting better as I get older of letting go of details, and I'm like, yeah, it's okay. It doesn't matter what what you know. Yeah. It's all going to turn into soup anyway. That's true. One day, it's all that's soup. What movie, that's <laughs> what this movie taught me. <laughs> um, but so so, do you remember? But before I get into like the behind the scenes and whatnot, what what were your big as a Rocky fan? What was your what was that experience like of watching this for the first time? Well, I just remember when it was announced, I was like. This sounds like the coolest idea for a new, like, to reboot the Rocky franchise. Because, you know, as we talked about in last week's episode, everyone made fun of Rocky Balboa to the point where I was literally listening to a podcast this morning 
that called out Rocky Balboa as a bad movie. Um, wow. And I'm like, I feel like you guys, again, like we talked about last week, you were just coming into it thinking that the movie is not aware that he's old. But, like, the movie's mm. very aware of how old he is um, and that this is a stupid thing for an old person to do. Um, and so uh, I just remember thinking, like, yeah, you could never make another Rocky movie. Like, you just can't. But you get to have Rocky again and have a new guy in the lead. And it's, you know, part of the Rocky legacy connecting to Apollo. Like, all of that stuff. I was like, this is such... I could just tell that this was, like, ripe. And I was like, if they play this right, like, this movie is going to be really something special. Um, And I don't even think I was prepared for just how special this movie was going to be. And, you know, and I, I, I agree totally where like this was like one of my favorite movies of the year it cemented ryan coogler as a director i was going to follow for the rest of his filmography um but i think i don't want to make like a generalized down the line statement of like no good ideas come from like a boardroom of studio people i think (laughs) we've done this show long enough that sometimes like a fluke of a good movie does come from like a suit having a good idea sure um, but I think down the line, most of these legacy sequels, like the best foot forward, the best like first aspect out of the gate is to have like a really solid that even like a layman or anyone walking down the street of like, hey, would you see a movie about Rocky training Apollo Creed's son? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> like that sounds like a pretty good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like so many of these can be like, oh, God, why are they making another one of these? You know, Terminator or the girl with the dragon tattoo or, you know. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I just, I just opened up my, uh, my best films list. Wow. Um, and I could literally look back and I see that I have it at number two. Crazy. um, In 2015. Uh, was Was number one force awakens. Sure was. Sure was. It was just, I mean, force awakens was just undeniable, you know, it was just like everything I wanted in a Star Wars movie. And you know what I, I have to even remind myself back then is like how much of a drought we were in as Star Wars fans up to yeah, that point. I know. Can't even really remember that anymore. Uh-huh. Like <laughs> the the sugar high that you get like five minutes into Force Awakens that night that just does, you know, like, oh, my God, they did it. They find Star Wars is fun again. This is great. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, what a time! But, what a time to be alive! Indeed. Uh, but yeah, uh, Creed uh sits in my top ten of 2015, wedged right between Star Wars: The Force Awakens and Ant Man, <laughs> which is a very right. me list. Um, that I was gonna say, like, I'm, I'm really, I'm, you should, you should be proud of that. That you, you know, you really held by your, your flag. Yeah, yeah. My number four was Tomorrowland. So you know, 2015, big year for Scott Corelli. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> man um and it was also a big year for for ryan coogler but first we uh we should track back because this is actually one of those episodes where it's almost kind of about one filmmaker um almost yep. kind of harkening back to our wes anderson era yeah <clears throat> so uh ryan coogler was born around the bay area in the 80s where he grew up um being an athletic kid playing football. 
um, and watching the Rocky movies with his father, Ira, and his brother. Uh, Ira was a juvenile hall probation counselor, a line of work that Ryan Coogler would go on to uh, pursue in addition to his filmmaking work. Continues to this day in the Bay Area. Wow. Um, and so Kugler has a lot of fond memories of like watching Rocky two with his dad and his brother. And even like growing up playing football, his dad, like right before he would go like, Hey, Hey, come here. I just, I just want to show you this one scene from Rocky two or this one Rocky speech to get you like fired up. <laughs> so, so like, like a lot of us, he could, that, them, those movies became like, like little patches of his childhood or like the way he like connected with his family. That's um, awesome. So he would go on to play for Sacramento State, where he would make 112 receptions, six touchdowns, before ultimately getting a uh, U.S. entering the USC Masters program, being the University of Southern California, hmm. where uh, he would meet Ludwig Göransson, <laughs> the future composer of a lot of his movies, including Creed and the Black Panther movies. Wow. Yeah, I was I was watching an interview today on on YouTube. They were talking about the music of Wakanda Forever, and the little blurb was like, "These two idiots met in 2007 in college, and now they're making Black Panther." And I'm like, "That's insane." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's how it um, happens, though. I guess I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, you find your people, and then you kind of let you glom onto them. Yeah. So, um, Kugler quickly developed, um a great reputation at the USC film program, making a series of shorts that played the festival game and were able to pick up uh, attention and notoriety. And eventually he was able to start prepping what would be his first feature, Fruitvale, uh, later called Fruitvale Station, Mm -hmm. detailing the last 24 hours of Oscar Grant, a 22-year-old Oakland man who was uh, murdered by the Oakland Metro Police on... I believe it was New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, so this takes us to around where our story begins in earnest around 2011, 2012, as Kugler is prepping Fruitvale. Was was uh, Fruitvale made before or after Chronicle? Um, it's a <laughs> good question, Scott. So Chronicle came out in like the winter of 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, so around 2011, 2012. So probably as Chronicle is coming out. Kugler uh, is in the process of prepping or doing pre pro or getting funding for Fruitvale Station. And Fruitvale Station would end up coming out, coming out the summer of 2013. But if I'm not mistaken, it hit in Sundance in January of 2013. Okay. Okay. And so, like Michael B. Jordan at this point, he had done Chronicle. He did that weird Miles Teller movie that sat on a shelf for a long time, right? That rom com mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that I saw like in in college. Yeah, um, uh, it's Friday Night Lights. Oh, he's from Friday Night Lights. I've never seen it, but I've heard that he's on Friday Night Lights and The Wire. I knew he was on The Wire, right? He was like a ki- a kid actor on The Wire. Um, yeah. Spo- spoiler alert for a show I haven't seen, but I've like heard that his character in Friday Night Lights like tragically dies and. Oh. Because there were a lot of articles around the time of Fruitvale of like, wow, Michael B. Jordan plays a lot of characters that die tragically to earn the sympathy of the audience. And it, it's a credit to how much the audience loves Michael B. Jordan. Maybe make a movie where he doesn't die, please. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> 
<laughs> so uh so yeah so th- that's kind of our our timeline but um as it happens with life uh sometimes curveballs come in the most unexpected ways at the most unexpected times and as kugler was prepping and getting ready to make his first feature his father began developing very unexpected uh mysterious health problems and uh muscle deterioration uh they would go they would later find out that it was um a neuromuscular condition but at the time they were like oh my gosh is this als is this ms he just uh suddenly stopped being able to like produce like muscle mass and so mm. uh the family kind of had to rally around him and kugler watched his father who growing up was like this big athletic muscular guy that kugler kind of saw rocky in his father now as an adult seeing his father laid low by this disease or you know threatened to lay low by this disease mm-hmm. and it you know there i i in reading interviews with kugler i've read that like a lot of his movies start with like a question or a desire that he can't like get out of his head with fruitvale it was who was oscar grant and why did this happen to him mm-hmm. and <clears throat> with so as he's taking care of his father and like watching his dad struggle with this mysterious illness he was like oh gosh like what what makes a man a man where does strength come from i remember being able my dad's hand being able to hold me as a baby and lift me up into the air and now that same hand is on my shoulder and my brother's shoulder as we lead him out of a a restaurant Mm -hmm. or the hospital Mm -hmm. did that strength go away is it still there and eventually his mind wandered into the question, what if this happened to my dad's hero, Rocky Balboa? And that proved such like a stirring question of like, oh man, like growing up, Rocky was like the exemplar of masculinity and the ultimate champion. Like how would he face what I'm watching my dad go through? Mm-hmm. And it also stemmed from like, ah, he wasn't able to, he like would at the time speaks on regret of not being able to be there as much because he was busy prepping his first feature. And so it was like th- this really inconvenient time where he felt like, Oh, well maybe if I could write my dad a story to inspire him the way the Rocky movies inspired me. Mm-hmm. And that's when he began developing the idea just like as a, as a Colonel, like, Oh, that would be a really cool movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while developing that idea, he told his dad that he's like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm working on, it'd be cool to make like a Rocky movie. And, talking to his dad while taking care of him the question came up of so every time he would watch rocky 2 with his dad his dad always cried at the exact same scene where rocky and mick are in the chapel when like adrian is in her coma and mickey is like you know trying to rattle rock into like you know not giving up and not fighting Mm -hmm. and so as a kid ryan coogler always noticed that his dad cried at that scene like without fail and so now as an adult coogler Asked his dad, like, hey, I always noticed growing up, you always cried during this one scene. Like, why? Why is that? Like, what was it about that scene? And then Ira told Ryan Coogler a story that he had never heard before. Um, before Ryan Coogler was born, when Ira was around eight or, not, eight or nine years old, his mother was diagnosed with breast cancer and would go on to fight the disease for 15 years until as an adult. Uh, Ira Coogler would like be with his mom and this is like the end of her life and would sit like at her bedside. And one of the only activities they could do together was watch TV. 
And a movie that they would watch all the time, because it was on TV all the time, was Rocky II. And Ira Coogler remembers, like, seeing his mother in Rocky Balboa. Like, someone who, like, went the distance and showed great strength and, like, you know, great challenges. Mm-hmm. And so it was this moment of revelation for Ryan Coogler of like, oh my God, the story actually goes back a generation further than I thought. And it kind of motivated him of like, this is really like a multi-generational story. Like this has power. This is worth like pursuing. Mm -hmm. So uh, like a lot of up and coming filmmakers at the time, he landed uh, like a general meeting at WME and they were like, hey, do you have a dream project? Do you have like a, a big franchise idea that you can maybe pitch to a studio and he was like yeah i do <laughs> uh, so yeah i i mean i, I that, that that's uh i know that's that's a lot and i know i know reading when i was doing research like, oh that's so weird because like rocky 2 happens to be the one that you scott happened i think have like the closest emotional connection to yeah that's i'd never heard that before and so that's uh kind of blowing my mind a little bit um I I I I do wonder. I wonder what it is about Rocky II that that has that connection. I think for people, um, it's interesting. I don't I don't know if it's you know. It, I I I almost wonder if it's like it's it's coming out in such a nebulous time in Sylvester Stallone's career where he's not the guy who's a brand and needs to be that guy yet, you know, but he's a little more successful. He's not like an underdog like he was um, when he made the first movie. And so it's in this really interesting period that is not, I think, recreated until Rocky Balboa, you know? Yeah. And it's like, like you said, nebulous, like it's a little bit more warm than the first Rocky. Like, Mm -hmm. We even compared it in our episode to something out of like that Scorsese or De Palma were doing at the time, like very like new Hollywood gritty. Yeah. And, and he like, he wins, there's that. And it's just this kind of like, it, it, but it isn't quite Rocky three. It still has that heart that the first Rocky had. Right. It's yeah. It occupies this very interesting space. Yeah. Man. Um, um, wow. So, as luck would have it, WME also uh, had an, a- an agent named Adam Vinite, or Vinite, who represented Sylvester Stallone and was able to get the two in the room together. Um, so for a bit of context, like even as Coogler was shooting Fruitvale, he was working with Michael B. Jordan for the first time. And Coogler would say in the back of his head, he was like, oh, this guy would be really good for Adonis. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, really like working with this guy. So. He's in a meeting with Sylvester Stallone, and there was this cool story that Coogler tells of immediately upon meeting Sly in his office. Coogler is like, wow, this guy is not Rocky Balboa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is he like listens differently. He like responds. He's like very he 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 just he realized in that moment what a great actor Stallone actually was mm-hmm. because it was like meeting a different person or like meeting someone for the first time instead of like meeting Rocky Balboa. Yeah. And kind of was like, Oh, I really need to work with this guy. This guy's like a great actor and so smart. And so uh, he pitches Creed. He's like, Hey, this is, you know, this means this so much for my family and this is the story. And I think, you know, 
son of Apollo Creed and Rocking Comes and Transom and so on. And Stallone's like, look, you seem like a really good kid. Um, I'll I'll take your picture with you doing the fist. I'll sign some autographs. I'll tell you some anecdotes. But like, I feel very apprehensive about giving Rocky to another filmmaker. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you can't go back from Rocky being Mickey. Right. It it kind of then becomes Adonis' story. And and that has happened. Right. And so at the time, you know, Coogler, this filmmaker, hasn't even made his first feature yet. Just some, like, really good shorts. Coogler uh, was, I mean, uh, Stallone was like, ah, no. And so Coogler and his his people stayed on Stallone and his people and, like, wouldn't let up. Until eventually, I don't know if Stallone, like, saw a special screening of Fruitvale before Sundance. but. At some point, he does see Fruitvale Station and say, oh, wow, uh, this guy's a pretty good director. That guy's a pretty good actor. Maybe we should do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did have still some apprehension. And there's like, Kugler uh, tells a story of like, hey, man, like, I know your friend, Mike, you said he's a really good actor, but like, this is going to affect the way he lives his life every day. Mm-hmm. Is he ready for that? Like, is he, is that something he's capable of doing? And Kugler said i think you need to be michael b jordan so he schedules like a first irl meeting with them and he says that he actually ended up recording it on his phone because it was such an immediate like oh my god these guys have such crazy chemistry wow that like i i couldn't have planned on but it's like oh yeah they match each other really well and i think you could see it in the movie this kind of like not quite i mean that he calls them uncle and it has that that's just not quite father son but still like paternal yeah um so at that point stallone was in mgm was in pretty i'm I'm sure for reasons like you said scott that's a very universal idea like i don't know how you hear that idea and not like like yeah that's worth doing yeah 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 absolutely uh so the project was officially announced via deadline on uh in 2013 just as fruitvale would launch into theaters yeah i remember like you know, being online even by by then, and like Twitter and the blogs and slash film and whatnot, I, everyone was like on board with this from the beginning. I don't remember there being a lot of animosity. No, no, not at all. Uh, everyone was a hundred percent on board because, like, it, it is like a a like oh, of course, like this this is like a perfect idea. Um, I remember even people saying at the time, like, oh, this is what Rocky Balboa should have been, you know. And in a mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. You know, and I think we've I think we mentioned this before that Creed is a like simultaneously like a a remake of parts of Rocky Five and also parts of Rocky Balboa and also its own thing completely, you know? Yeah. Like <clears throat> if you wanted to be cynical, like you there there is a, a a way of like it's it's taking advantage of the fact that the public largely doesn't remember the last two movies. And so is able to kind of take the best parts of those two. Mm-hmm. Um, like if I didn't know the incredibly personal origins that the movie actually has, that there is it all. But maybe that's a testament to how solid the idea is. It actually works on math on paper as well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It, but it, it's uh, it's very respectful to to everything. I mean, you know, it it really does treat those movies as, um you know, gospel that is not meant to be messed with, you know? Oh, yeah, the, or the, like derided or looked down on. Right, right. There are, 
there are two moments in this movie that I have questions about that we'll get to in the in the in the in the breakdown. But um, in general, like this is a movie that is. You know, you called this the greatest legacy sequel of all time. And there's no way that this can't be that, you know, like, like, because it does both things. It is very nostalgic without ever turning away from Adonis, this being Adonis's movie, you know, like this is always an original film that just happens to be set in the Rocky universe. It is, it is this crazy alchemy that just no other legacy sequel has ever touched. And and yeah, and, and it's so interesting that it does come out so soon with Force Awakens because you can really hold them up to each other and kind of spot, you know, Force Awakens, we just talked about what an what an incredibly entertaining movie it is. But even that movie has awkward bits of like pandering or like not quite knowing how to honor these new characters while also, you know, playing paying tribute to the classic characters. Right. Or you have Jurassic World, which is the opposite. Which is Right. There's no classic characters other than like B.D. Wong, you know, <laughs> and it's like it's all brand new characters and the nostalgic is like the dinosaurs, I guess. But like, yeah, can you imagine completely different? Can you imagine if Force Awakens like Han's not in it, Leia's not in it. It's just like the trio. Luke is just like uh, uh, there's a statue of him. Yeah, and it's just like Chewbacca. Wasn't that one of the 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 original like thought processes like back in like the Michael Arndt era. I think you're right, Scott. I think that kind of was the Michael Arndt screenplay, and yeah. Abrams and Disney were like, "No, no, no I think you understand how bad things are." <laughs> yeah, I I think that's yeah, I think that's right. But yo, it it is, you know, it's like I'm trying to imagine like a a, a version like the Jurassic World version of this is literally like just about Creed being the son of Apollo Creed, never goes to Philly, mm. never meets Rocky, you know, just watches the Morbius old, angle. Yeah. Just watches videos of, of Adonis, old Adonis fights. And, and that's yeah. it. You know, maybe at the end credits, he gets like a phone call and it's like, hello. And he's like, yo, I heard you did something cool in California. Cut to black. <laughs> right. <laughs> God, that would be horrible. <laughs> There's, so I'm so like we live in the one dimension where Creed is like a stone cold classic. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Cause I don't, I don't we, know what seen... kind of boxer you're cooking up in that lab. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe I need to get it on this. He's back. Because, like, uh, yeah, we see bad versions of this movie so many times and have since 2015. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Like. You know, count your I think like even like. Uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife has a little bit more personal, obviously because of who the director is. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah, I can't really think of another. I think this is like the platonic ideal of like, yeah, like you said, what Hollywood's been trying to do for the past decade. Yeah, yeah. Wow, so crazy. Um, so just a, a quick brief notes before we get into our breakdown. It was Stallone's idea to shoot the fights first. He was like, look, for health reasons, for safety reasons, and like also like you want when you're doing the emotional stuff, you don't want you don't want Michael to be in training mode or worrying about body continuity or getting his nose broken 
So let, let's just get all that out of the way. And so we know it's done. We know it's out of the way. And he can live like a human while he's shooting these emotional scenes. Yeah, that's smart. That's really smart. Yeah, because um, then it's like you're making the movie twice. It's like, because you get, you get the arc of like the three fights. Act one, yeah. act two, act three fights, right? And then, and so you, that part of that movie is complete. And then you get to start over and do the, the, all the emotional stuff and follow that whole emotional arc. So he gets an emotional arc twice, you know, he gets to work through. And yeah, you kind of get this like, oh, we get to do it again. I get to go back to who he was having done, gotten to the end where he's like, I did it. I fucking did it. Yeah. Now can kind of like fill in the blanks and get him to that moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. And uh, for those curious, I do have some notes on MBJ's routine of how he got so shredded uh it involved boxing three to four days a week weight training every day uh for up to four to five hours a day and it was eight months before he started seeing results eight months before it started being like okay it's 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 working like we're like wow um and yeah, and even then, a lot of note was like him, because there's a lot of real athletes in this movie, like actual like boxers. Right. And they talked about even MBJ getting to where he is in this movie. They would, for fun, tell the boxers to be like, hey, do it. Do it real speed. You've been doing movie speed. Do it real speed. And then they would like go real speed. And Michael B. Jordan would just start laughing. Because <laughs> he was just like, I never, I'm never going to be able to do that, whatever that was. Yeah, he was like, oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, and then we, you know, we'll talk about the fights and the cinematography and all that, but yeah. So Scott, how does Creed begin? In 1998 in a juvenile detention center. Um, yeah. Uh, opening the movie like this. And, and what's interesting is like, uh, it's, it's a very different way. It like, again, it like immediately establishes this franchise as different that is like the first thing they do is establish this as a different franchise from rocky which i think Mm -hmm. is very interesting you know um you start with meeting adonis johnson in juvenile detention getting in a fight with a kid something that he does a lot um and meeting um marianne Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Adonis's or uh, or Apollo's wife, widow, um, not played by the actress who played her in the Rocky movies, but yes, played by Felissa Rashad. Yeah, is the age correct? I don't know. I feel um, like she might be a little older, but I don't know. Um, than the than the I actress think... that played her in the eighties. I don't know though. Because it's it's tricky it, because that actress was playing that actress while she was on the Cosby Show. That's who this is, right? Cosby Show. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just interesting because she's just so. It's an interesting choice because she's so she's good in these movies. Um, she really is. But mm-hmm. it's interesting to cast someone so eighties iconic. In this right. role when that when we know what she looked like in the eighties and it was not Apollo's wife. Like she did not look like Apollo's wife in the eighties, you know? Yeah. It's like was it 
you know, because like you said, she does deliver a great performance, but it is kind of a risky move of like, you know, Claire Huxtable is a very iconic part of specifically the 80s. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, is it just... It's yeah. a little distracting. I mean, like, you get over it, you know, um, and, and you just roll with it. But like, yeah, it is it is a little distracting. I've kind of like purged Cosby from my brain and heart. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, sure. <laughs> and, and so, like, I will say, like, for, for you know, the, when I watched it tonight, I didn't think Claire Huxtable, I thought, you know, for Felissa Rashad. Yeah, I always think Claire Huxtable. But I, you're a little older than me. I am that, a little that really matters. That's true. That is true. You're right. You're right. You're right. When the brain's forming, it really attaches to, like... Like, yeah, especially a you know, sitcom like she- that you literally watch every day because it's in syndication, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, uh, but yeah, she she meets this kid. We find out that um, Apollo had an affair, uh, got someone pregnant, and she had Adonis, which is it, it's fascinating to me that Apollo had nothing to do with this kid being named Adonis. <laughs> This is just something that his, uh, a f- like this woman, his, you know, Adonis's mother just decided like, oh, I'm going to name him Adonis as mm-hmm. like a, an ode or something to Apollo, you know? Yeah. Like it's, it totally works from a, a screenwriting standpoint. Yeah. Of like, but yeah, yeah. Maybe she just had a, I was like, yeah, he's gonna, it's almost like, uh, it's mythical, mm-hmm. like giving a child a name that inherently has a legacy to build up to or oh you know what i bet it is this this feels god and they never say this but this makes perfect sense she wanted him to have creed's name even though because she's like you're apollo creed's son i can't give you his name because Mm -hmm. i'm not married to him i don't have his name but i can give you a first name that is like reminiscent that has that sound that has that that vibe you know um, so I bet you that's what it is. It was like her wanting him to have that legacy, even though cause she's like, you've got Creed blood in your veins, but mm-hmm. I can't give you the name legally. I can't give you yeah. that name. You know, uh, something cool I learned that that cooler learned from Stallone while making this movie is he then the, the the name oh. Apollo was chosen very specifically. Uh, Ap- Apollo means gift from the gods. Mm-hmm. And that was always how Stallone saw like Apollo's place in like Black America at that time was he was this gift, this person from on high that gave like people at the time something to look up to. Yeah, and so the name Adonis also feels very specific of this like young like hero. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, so so yeah, so Apollo's widow um uh, adopts him basically takes him in Mm. and uh and and tells him about his father for the first time because he doesn't know anything about him at this point he just knows he doesn't have a father and she's like no you did he just died before you were born that doesn't have anything to do with you Mm. um yeah yeah something that strikes me now kind of looking back at because i don't i don't rewatch this movie often so like now looking at kugler's filmography the presence of the matriarch mm-hmm. is something really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where yeah. like. He... Oh, yeah. Well, like, you know, like the 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 presence of like, you know, Mar- Marianne in this really echoes like Queen Romana in mm-hmm. Black Panther. Yeah. Of, 
Yeah. Yeah, Ryan Coogler, like, he obviously, you know, that you told that story about his, about him and his mom watching, um, or, or, or was that, yeah. Yeah, his, his, his dad and the grandmother that he didn't get to meet. Right, right, right. Like, uh, it, it's just interesting that, like, it seems like women have, like, a stronghold on his life, and he seems to have, hold a lot of respect for them. Like, it seems like, you know, his dad being willing to cry in front of his son at a scene in a movie tells you a lot about the state of masculinity in his household, you know? That that was a that that was a memory that he was that he held on to and like Yeah. Like, oh, and that wow, and that yeah. it was okay. That it was like mm-hmm. it's yeah. okay that men do this, you know? That mm-hmm. is that is uh I th- I think probably, you know, a big part of like why Ryan Coogler is sort of like has so much respect for women. Um, it, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. It is, it's really, it's interesting how much of Ryan Coogler is in this movie. Like, this is just, I mean, he just cut his heart open and, and, and made this movie. It's kind of, you don't see a lot of, uh, franchise movies that do that, you know? Right. Yeah. Like, and it, it, the, the deceptively so, like, learning that he had a job almost similar to the woman in this cold open of like counseling young men in the, in the Bay area or in the LA Bay area that were going through the system. Like it's like, Oh wow. Like the, the deeper you go or like, yeah. you know, Rocky having cancer. It's yeah. like, un, a, like such a, such a personal movie for being such a part of a big franchise. Yeah. But that's, that's what Rocky's always been. Right. It's like, yep. every, you know, Rocky four, notwithstanding, Right. Every other Rocky yeah. is is him wrestling with something. And even Rocky four was him wrestling with like, how do I go bigger than Rocky three? So, mm-hmm. you know, everything has a a sort of uh, a thematic connection to Stallone in a way that it's like these can only be written by Stallone. Right. And so yeah. I think that it's smart for Coogler to come at Creed and be like, well, all of those Rocky movies could only be written by Stallone. So this one has to only, you know, could only come from me. That's yeah. the only way to do this. Right. And it's, yeah. And it, it, it's why it feels like a part of his filmography and not like, Oh, a movie that he did after Fruitvale because, you know, you got to do a big Hollywood movie. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, so then we, uh, we, we get the Creed title card um, and then move to Tijuana, um, where we get uh, Adonis's version of the uh, church basement fight, um, which mm-hmm. is uh, in Mexico, um, in like an yeah. underground like boxing <laughs> ring at like a cowboy club. Like everybody's got cowboy hats on. The, it's, like the a honky, hard... it's like a Mexican honky tonk. <laughs> For sure. Like a Ranchero fight. <laughs> yeah. The, the hard cut of him in the underground Tijuana boxing fight to like in an ill-fitting shirt. Oh, yeah. In office. It's crazy. Yeah. So he's got he he wins the the Tijuana fight and it's and it's so obvious that this is nothing. Like he's doing this because he wants to box and no one will train him properly to like be a professional. And so he goes down to Tijuana for these fights just to get like his rocks off, like get get this and fight like, out yeah. of him, right? And there's mm-hmm. this great moment where like 
he like he he like they're fighting for like 15 seconds and he knocks the guy out and then as soon as he hits the ground he starts taking off his gloves like they're counting <laughs> down and he's already taking his gloves off because he's like it's over like it's done I'm, uh, i won it's it's yeah. done but and he's also not postulating or no. like he's like all right clocking out like, <laughs> yeah yeah he's like all right job done <laughs> time to go home um it's uh it's pretty crazy but yeah he goes he has this uh financial uh day job he works in finances and uh, uh has a fresh promotion and uh tenures his resignation and um gets out of there it's really cool because it's like immediately setting up adonis as a you know a hero that we all root for as nicole kitman says in her speech the best part of us mm-hmm. but he he's also he's also to a certain extent like He's like he's not a nepo baby, but like I wouldn't say that, but like he he is already starting off in like a loftier position than Rocky ever got to in his 30s. Yeah, but it's but it's a messy place to be in black culture, right? Because it's like if you if you are if you enter like like so he he spent his childhood sort of poor, working his way through the system, right? His mother died, you know. And the whole thing, and and obviously, like, ends up in a lot of fights and everything, gets, quote-unquote, saved from that life by, Mar- by, by Mary, um, and brought into this, like, you know, the legacy of Apollo Creed and that money, um, and, and yeah. where that left her life. And now he's being raised in this place of, of privilege, knowing what it's like, remembering what it's like behind him, you know? Um, and yeah. that that has got to mess with your head. And I think that's why he feels so disconnected from everything is because he's like, well, I don't belong, you know, on the south side of L.A. necessarily. But I also like I, like they're never going to accept me because of where I live. Right. But also I don't belong here either. Like I feel in my bones that I don't belong in this like mansion you know and so it's this it's this crazy place to put this character where he just like starts this movie so off balance yeah like if you think about rocky rocky in many ways was defined by his relationship with his community mm-hmm. of being like a people's champ a guy from the neighborhood and adonis really doesn't have that no he's he's sort of creating his family as this movie progresses by like forming attachments to people and. I think like uh, we'll talk about this in Creed two and three, but I, I think it's almost like finding out who who Adonis is in relation to Philadelphia and America at large is kind of something that's explored in, in those movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I also, I, yeah, I, I mean, it's you, you I, uh, I really relate to. It's a really interesting place for protagonists to be of not knowing where you fit in your place of like, like there's so many times where Creed is like exposed. Of like, this is the part where Rocky's like, yeah, you sound like you went to a good school, so why are you fighting? You don't have to do this. Yeah. So why are you? Because you kind of have to be driven to doing this. Right. Right. Um. He goes to the Creed gym. Yeah. Well, um. So, well, first we get the shadow boxing scene. Um. He goes home after after. Uh, putting in, you know, quitting at the financial yeah. job, um, you know, talks to his mom, um, to uh, to Mary, 
and uh, Mary Marianne. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, Marianne. Um, talks to Marianne and uh, and then like watches old boxing videos of of his dad fighting Rocky and shadow boxing, right. but with Rocky, like against his dad, not mm-hmm. with him. Um, so he's not trying to ape his dad. He's trying to beat his dad, which is kind of, you know, it's it's one of the many things that I think separates Creed from Creed 2, which is that this is just loaded with subtle imagery like that of like, we're not going to put too fine a point. I mean, it, some people would say like, that's not subtle, but also, you know, it it is in terms of like where his arc is leading, right? Um, and th- that this is where he's starting of like, I don't want to be him, but I also have a responsibility. I feel a responsibility in my heart, in my blood to be him, you know? Yeah. Like what, what, what you said could easily have been a line of dialogue to Marianne yeah. of like, I don't want to be him. I want to beat him. But instead right. we get to discover that by watching him have this private moment by himself where he's watching YouTube videos yeah. and it, it, I think it, you, you remember it. Cause I think if you, every time you catch something, instead of being told something, you like remember it like 5% more. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, really, really great, you know, visually stunning kind of scene. It's, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I haven't seen Fruitvale station. Um, it, it just, felt very it feels like it's very depressing sure. and I, it's a heavy movie yeah you have to be in the mood for that and i'm not always in the mood for that kind of movie um so i haven't seen it but i feel like you know when i when i think of i mean just like the black panther trailers right you get the trailers that are like no dialogue and will just be like sh- scenes shots you know and you're like wow mm. what a visionary visual like yeah director this stuff is beautiful and this scene of him shadow boxing his father feels like oh this is how like this guy became that guy you know yeah and like to break that down because like yeah that is such strong like iconic imagery that says so much because he's literally in the shadow of these two iconic boxers mm-hmm. we have this is really when the ludwig Gronenson score really kicks in for the first time mm-hmm. and it and also it's him using YouTube. He's watching it on YouTube. He's watching it on a projector. So it's just, I feel like Kugler is like our first great director of like this age that does like take videos on his phone and totally, you know, it feels like he's our generation more even than like directors in their 40s and 50s are. Yeah. And so, because even Jordan yeah. Peele has a lot of Gen X in him, you know? Right. Yeah. Like he still, he feels. <laughs> He feel like this is weird, but I I I think of him in the same pool as like Patton Oswalt, you know that mm-hmm. generation of of comedians and and creators. Whereas yeah. Ryan yeah. Coogler feels like one of us. Like I think he's my age. I think he might be. Yeah, like 1985. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he's like important. exactly my age. Um, <laughs> and so yeah, it's I, you're totally right. You're totally right about that. Um. So so yeah. So then we go we go to. Uh, uh, the uh, the old gym, Delphi gym, yeah, and we meet Lil Duke. Yeah, <laughs> great, great legacy character. Yes, Lil Duke. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's like, yeah, I, I'm not going to train you. Like, he just, he's like, he flat out won't, won't do it. 
Um, what what is his reasoning for it again? Like I know well, he yeah yeah. Well, he has the line where he's like like no like these guys have to fight right like, right 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 that's right. Y- you're choosing to you that means that you have like some weird vendetta thing that I don't want to deal with. I have to focus on these guys. And he's like, okay, fine. Show me, show me your best guy. Put me in the ring with him. Right, right. Show me that he's better than me. Right. And so he he puts up his uh, Mercedes as collateral and he's like, I'll give my Mercedes that I got out front to, you know, whoever whoever can land one punch on me. Um and he immediately knocks out the first guy. But then like the guy who's like number two <laughs> Um, uh, n- n- the number two, like, um, against like the guy he's going to yeah. fight at the end of this. I love those like little train spotting tags that like each fighter will get. You yeah. Know? Yeah. That's not repeated after this. Um, but wow, it's cool. It's, it's, it's cool. I like that though. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, he fights him and, and knocks, knocks him on his ass and, <laughs> and then takes his Mercedes and, and little Duke's just like, I mean, I told you, like, I tried to tell you, I don't know. So, so t- two things about this. Um, yeah. One, uh, real life anecdote. Stallone was watching from the monitor. They're having trouble with like getting the angle of the take right and like how to make it look good. And Stallone goes over to Ryan Coogler and says, uh, I think Mike has to take the hit for real. I think that's the only way this looks good is he's got to really take the hit and get knocked out. Oh, and Coogler says, I legally can't tell him to take the punch for real <laughs> because of rules. I'm the director. Yeah. And Sloan's like, got it. So he walks over to Michael B. Jordan and he says, hey, um, there's like a proud history <laughs> in this <laughs> franchise of people getting just laid out. Are you really going to be the one to break that tradition? <laughs> wow. <laughs> And he's like, Michael B. Jordan's like, okay, so that that is really a full contact uh, hit that you see in that in that shot. Wow, woof! I'd stay um, down too. <laughs> and, but but uh, but but l- listening to you just now, you describe this guy walks in, good, gets into the ring, says, "Hey, winner gets my Mercedes Benz." Yep, and then knocks a guy out with one punch, and then gets knocked out. I just I keep picturing the like obnoxious. Like, ugh, this guy, this guy sucks, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because like, that happens all the time in movies. We're like, I'm supposed to like this guy? This guy's a prick. Right. But yeah. the power of MBJ and the power of Adonis, you're just like, there's something really compelling. You can feel the hunger that this guy has to prove himself. Well, and you can tell the way that he plays that scene is not in a I'm better than all of you way. It's more that it, it's a frustration. Like you can you can feel yeah. the frustration that's coming off of him where he's just like, just let me give me a shot. Like if you're not going <laughs> to give me a shot, I'll make my own shot, you know? Yeah. And then he gets uh, humbled. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. He's like, and at the movie's like, look, he's not there yet. Yeah. We've, We've seen this guy be a badass a couple times now, but he's still got like a lot to learn. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so then uh that's when he goes he goes home and he tells Marianne that he's gonna fight full time. He's decided he's quit his financial job and he's decided to uh to fight full time. She's really pissed off about this, and basically she's he's like, Hey, I'll call and check in every once in a while. And he, she was like, Don't bother. If that's what you're going to do mm-hmm. with your life, don't bother. Um, yeah. And uh, and yeah, 
It's uh, I it's a great scene because she gets that great line about like having like really not pulling any punches in terms of like I had to wipe his ass sometimes because his hands didn't work. Yeah, his hands didn't work, and I had to wipe his ass. Is that the life you want for yourself? You know? Yeah, it's like with one line, she totally you know distills the like 80s glory yeah. of that era just rips the romanti- romanticization of it right out like just <laughs> get out of here with that bullshit this was reality mm. oh it's so good um yeah so that's when adonis goes to philly the rocky mm-hmm. statue is in its actual natural real place in philly yeah, so so I guess that's the canon is because I remember last week we were like, why did they move the statue? That's so sad. But they didn't. They didn't. You know, they moved it to a, it's a new location. Yeah, it's in the it's in its real spot now, um, where it really always was in Philly because they used to move it back up to the steps every movie. Um, <laughs> well, they must be shooting another Rocky. They moved the statue. <laughs> yeah. Um. So he checks out the statue and then he visits Adrian's, uh, to meet with Rocky and ask him. To train him. Um, great scene. To my knowledge. Love yeah, to see Adrian's sure. again. <laughs> I was going to say, I, it's really cool that it, I mean, it, it looks exactly like it did in Rocky Balboa. It must be a location, right? For sure. Um, or you, I would think, or maybe, but it, it, it's cool that, I don't know, that seems like in like the bad version of this movie that we keep talking about, that's such an easy thing to not carry over. Mm-hmm. But. It speaks to like Kugler at some point. The the filmmakers were like, "No, it's we should have it look like it did in Balboa because it's like that happened and this is all one one universe." Right, right, yeah. Um, so this is the point uh, where I'm. I, I want to talk about a couple of things here. So, like in mm. this scene, this is when Donis asked Rocky, "Like, I heard about another fight, a third fight. Who won? You know?" And we talked about what the intention for that was. Back mm-hmm. in like the Rocky Three, Rocky Four era, which was that they both hit each other once and went down and was just like, oh, okay, that was a mistake. Let's not do that again. <laughs> Call it a draw, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just having fun. At, uh, we did it for the lulls, you know. But here, um, Kugler has made it so that Apollo won. So I just want to know, like. <laughs> <laughs> I need to know about this. Like, how long did they recover from this fight? Or was it more of like a tagging fight, like a point system, like a karate tournament, you know? Yeah, because like there's no ref. So my thought was the win had to be decisive enough to where Rocky, even if like good naturedly or good humoredly, had to be like, yeah, you won that one, Apollo. You know, you fucking punched me in the face. (laughs) Yeah. Um. So that's interesting. Uh, and, then, and then related to that, I just wanted to mention this, which I think is the, I think this movie makes two mistakes. Mm-hmm. Two, two, two mistakes, and they're, they're relatively minor, uh, but this is the first one. And it is the fact that the only fights, all, the, only, the only point of Apollo's career that we learn anything about is starting with ro- the first Rocky movie. So like we never learn about like where Apollo came from, where he came up, what his first fight was. 
what his yeah. ca- career was leading up to that first fight with Rocky because he had had mm. an entire career up to that point. He was on the downswing on that fight. Yeah. So, like, I think that's the one mistake that this makes is it actually focuses so much on Rocky that as a result, it's as if Apollo didn't exist prior to that first Rocky fight. And I know that the Rocky two fight is primarily the one that is taught discussed in this one. The one that Rocky beats Apollo super fight two. Right. And, and and that's because of the, the, the personal connection that, that Ryan Coogler obviously had for Rocky two. So like, I understand that, but also if you're making a movie about the legacy of Apollo Creed and Adonis looking up to his father, you would think we would have learned more about Apollo's career as a boxer than just the the last, you know, two fights. Right. No, that's a good point. I never thought about that before of like an angle of him going deeper into Apollo's history of like maybe going to the gym that trained him or like um that almost sounds like a good fertile fertile ground for like a Creed sequel. Totally. Totally. That would be I mean, you know, I would never pitch on a Creed movie, but that would be my that would be my pitch. It would be like, yeah. "Hey, I, you know, if you're going to do something, I think this could be interesting. It's, uh, but then like, it's, I like how Creed three, not to put you on the spot. It seems to be like Creed three is about going into Donnie's history and Donnie's past, which is arguably even better because it's like, mm-hmm. you know, the, my argument of like, I just want a Ray movie. I don't care about the Skywalkers, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, what do you mean? <laughs> she is a Skywalker. They're one of the same. Yeah. yeah true. <laughs> I, I dug myself into that hole. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, him, him. I guess that we have to have a different. That would be the perfect Creed two. I think. Yeah, the perfect Creed two is him because like this movie ends with him making peace with his relationship with his father to mm-hmm. an extent. Right. So maybe you start Creed two with like I want to find out more about dad. Like yeah, I know that. Except instead, it's it's I'm going to get revenge for the from the guy that murdered him. The only other fight yeah. we've ever seen on screen. So we've seen right. Apollo fight three people, <laughs> uh, Rocky twice. And then this other guy that killed him. Uh, and those are the only ones that we're going to focus on. And I think that's a mistake. I think that's a disservice yeah, to the legacy and characterization of, of Apollo Creed. If you're going to be doing a movie called Creed, I want to know more about right. this guy. Yeah, like, you know, it, off mic, Scott, we were talking about that that uh, George Carlin documentary on HBO. And we were like, wow, his career was so much more expansive than we thought growing up when he was just like the old guy in the black t-shirt and the jeans. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, if you may, if you were telling a story about, I know this is very different, but like, you know, he's more than just like the, that last couple of those last couple of fights is what you're saying. Right. Right. I, you know what I, you know what I would love? I, because I think you can make, I think you could make Creed four about this, mm -hmm. especially if you do something really crazy. Um, which, which you know, Nick mentioned putting me on the spot, and it's because like, and I, I'm I'm comfortable, I, you know, I'm not going to say anything about what it is, but I've seen Creed three at this point. Um, it's not out yet, but I've seen it, uh, in a test screening. Um, and you know, more on that next year when it opens. But um, you know, if you do a four, if you do a fourth one, and you do it as a like a Godfather Part two thing but like you'd have to there's a lot of like really crazy new stuff you've never seen in a rocky movie in creed 3 like visual stuff 
cra- just really st- stuff you've never seen in this franchise before. And if you want to take that one step further in the fourth one by adding flashbacks to it, seeing yeah. a young Apollo Creed in the 60s becoming the professional boxer that he becomes to eventually fight Rocky while Adonis is retiring from boxing. Yeah. Because, like, oh, my God, yeah, it's like two mirrors. I mean, you're getting the sun now, maybe even, like, oh, my God, I'm older than Apollo was. Yep. Like, I'm I'm now at the twilight of my career. I can land the plane in a way that my father wasn't able to. What does that mean? My kid's getting older. Uh, like, And then cut back to, like, young, scrappy, hungry Apollo. Like, yeah. oh, I'm going to get mine. I'm going to fucking, you're, you'll see. Especially if Michael B. Jordan comes back to direct it. Like, what a what a gift to give an actor director than to be like you only have to be in half of this movie. <laughs> yeah. And like you get to direct because I, I think my my version is I think you cast you don't do D you cast like oh. a young actor. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Cause I'm thinking okay. like I'm thinking you start with like nineteen year old Apollo Creed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like MBJ then getting to now you get to mentor the next generation you get to really hook up a young guy with like yeah. playing young apollo creed yeah yeah <laughs> anyway that's my pitch for creed 4 <laughs> um <laughs> creed generations uh okay so um rocky's like lol no i don't do that training stuff anymore um mm. that's not gonna happen but hey stop by anytime you want and and i'll make you some food you know whatever whatever you need I'm Rocky. Yeah, I'm Rocky. I'm a nice guy. Um, so then uh, Donnie is like a little dejected and, and, and he tells him like, hey, I'm going to be at Mickey's gym, you know, uh, tomorrow morning if you want to come by. He's like, I won't. But like, that's cool. <laughs> um, anyway, see you later, kid. Yeah. And um, then we get uh, Donnie and Bianca's meet cute. Now, watching it this time, this meet cute blew me away this is this should be cinematically one of the best meet cutes ever and it's crazy because like you know for those of you who haven't watched the movie in a while the situation (laughs) is he's getting up early to go to mickey's gym in the morning right she Hmm. is she is playing her music too loud in her apartment right downstairs from him it's keeping him awake so he goes down bangs on her door tells her to turn the music down and and so she does and then he goes back up to his room and goes to sleep but the 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 very specific like that's it okay but let me let me break this down so when he shows up he was like you need to turn your music down like it's too loud and she was like okay yeah sorry your music my music's too loud he's like i gotta get i gotta get up early and go to the gym and she's like oh yeah yeah you gotta get you gotta get pumped you gotta get you got to get ripped. I, I, I get it. All right. Yeah. You got to go to the gym. Whatever. I'll turn my music down. The thing that I love about this, right? And they both go their separate ways and that's it. The thing I love about this is they are meeting both with the misunderstanding that what either of them are doing is professional in any capacity. He just thinks that she's listening to music really loud and she just thinks he's going to the gym because he's hot. Neither yeah. of them understand that she is a professional musician and he is a professional athlete. 
I yeah. fucking love this scene so much. And the thing that co- finally connects them is when later when he sees the poster and sees that she's a professional musician and she and then she's like, oh, and then that's the connection they have with each other is that they are both chasing something. You know, it's so good. It's so yeah. good. I love it. So what you're saying is Ryan Coogler needs to make a full blown like like Rob Reiner, Nora Ephron romantic movie. Holy shit. That should be the one for that should be the one for him before he goes yeah. and makes uh uh Avengers Secret Wars or whatever the hell he's gonna yeah, do next. Yeah. He should do just like, yeah, like like it's just a a real like a fifteen, twenty, thirty million dollar rom com. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hell yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's great. I, you know, I w- I thought a lot about Bianca and Adonis, and we'll get we'll 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 keep talking about it throughout the movie, but um, because you know Rocky is a love story, mm-hmm. and so it makes sense that it it's it's cool that Coogler knows that knows to focus put a love story at the center of Creed. Yeah, because that's another thing it would have been really easy not to do. Totally. Um, my only major criticism of of Bianca and Adonis and it's not their fault at all is when I look at Adrian and Rocky I look at two very specific um interesting looking kind of like quirky odd people that are like definitely attractive but just kind of like you know specific and when I look at Tessa Thompson and Michael B. Jordan I just see two of the hottest people on the planet (laughs) yeah it's so it's just like of course of course they like are neighbors (laughs) yeah yeah that's true that is that is that is very, uh, yeah, that's very true. Um, I also find it interesting, like, is he, so he got an apartment in Philly? Like, he's renting that room, or? I I love the movie, going back to, like, nothing being spoken but being shown, I love how the movie shows Adonis's privilege in very subtle ways. Like, they like him having a Benz, or even, like, he's able to watch uh, HBO Sports on an iPad. Yeah. And so him like, oh, yeah, he probably was just able just to get an apartment because yeah. he has really good credit because he's a, a creed. Yeah. And also, you know, has access to a lot of money. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 That's interesting. Um, God. Uh, anyway. Yeah. That me cute blew me away this time. Um, I never I just, picked that up. That's great. I was just like, oh, my God, they're both underestimating each other. And it's it's that's just and it's like a beautiful thing. And because like it's also like a cool mirror image of of Rocky and and Adrian, because that was like everyone underestimated both of them. But Mm. they are the only ones who saw the potential in each other. Right. Yeah. Um, This is the opposite where they don't see potential (laughs) in each other at all. They're just like, turn your stupid music down and like like, dumb meathead. uh, Yeah. 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 Oh God. It's so good. I love that. I love it so much. Um, But you're right. They're really hot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's more about the Hollywood, I think, than, than the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the seventies were a different time. Um, (laughs) So he goes to Mickey's club. There's a trainer there. The guy's like, hey, I can't give you full-time training, but like, I can give you some drills, and you can work on them on your own, and I can check in on you when I have time. And he's like, yeah, okay, whatever. I'll take whatever. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and so he just starts kind of like working out on his own. Rocky never comes by, you know? 
Um, there's a shot that of this little girl training and just wailing on this punching bag. Mm-hmm. And uh, that reminded me, there's a, a thing I found in my research where when they were location scouting, Coogler would be at real Philly gyms and see kids like boxing. And he would take videos and send them back to Michael B. Jordan and being like, you need to train harder. Like, <laughs> these kids are insane. <laughs> these kids are, could kick your ass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Um, so he's doing that for a while. Uh, eventually, he like runs into Rocky, um, unloading his like morning routine of, of bringing you know, fresh supplies to the restaurant. And so he helps uh, unload. And um, Calls and I, I love the detail. Right. I love the detail of he asked for a work out plan. Right. He tells him what he's doing and he's like, OK, I'll, I can help. And so he mm-hmm. he's like he writes him up a workout plan. And he takes it. Uh, and then after working through the workout plan with Rocky, he then continues to help unload the van mm-hmm. as if to say, like. This is not the type of guy who is going to get what he wants and then leave. Like, yeah, there's more to him than that. Right. Like, that's not the only reason he's here, um, which I really, really liked as like a characterization choice. Um, but then, you know, you get the most Rocky thing ever, which is just like he takes a picture of it and hands it back the workout plan back to him. He's like, don't you need mm-hmm. the paper? He's like, no, I took a picture of it. I got it in my phone. He's like, what happens if your phone breaks? He's like, it's in the cloud. <laughs> Rocky just looks up to the sky and is like, cloud? <laughs> and cloud? It's, it's amazing. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's the most Rocky shit in the world. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah, it's just another, it's like uh, knowing now that this was like written, written, co-written and directed by someone who like loves these movies and grew up watching them. They know enough that this these little moments are what make a Rocky movie a Rocky movie. Well, yes, but correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Stallone take a pass on all the Rocky scenes? Um, I'm am hazy on like that. If it was like it's 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 definitely not outside the realm of possibility. Because I like, I know for sure he did on Creed two. Because like I think yeah. he might have even co-written Creed two or something like that. But like I remember. When that movie was coming out, he was posting Instagram stuff of him, like, with the script, like, working on the script. Um, For sure. Yeah. But I don't know if he did that for this one or not. Um, In any event, it's some, it's good Rocky stuff. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's, it's, he, he really was, like, this, this should have been his Oscar. It's. Yeah, it was. uh, It's heartbreaking. We we talked about this. It was, it was like someone from Spotlight, right? Or yeah, maybe what was let's see, uh, be, that would have been twenty sixteen, right? Sixteen, yeah. Best actor twenty sixteen. Uh, it was Leonardo DiCaprio in The Revenant. Oh, uh, that's a bummer. Yep, that's a bummer thing to be up against. Because <laughs> that wasn't, you know, that was that not was a, a great. That was, a, that was a great thing, but it was like, uh, I guess we need to give it. He's suffered enough, right? Let's put him out of his misery. <laughs> and you know what? He uh, Not to go into the, the DiCaprio zone, but I guess that did kind of happen because he did kind of start having a little bit more fun. That's true. That is true. Is um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood his only movie that he's done since The Revenant? No. The um, Look Up movie. Oh, right. Yeah. The Netflix. Well, he had fun. Yeah. 
to Netflix. I get to have a funny beard and a funny little jacket. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, so he lost to Leonardo DiCaprio on The Revenant, which in the broad scope of the Academy Awards is like, well, all right, I guess. But also it sucks because like he's the one that deserved the award that year. Um, yeah. yeah. Without a doubt. Um, and like what's Stallone? Like when's the next time Stallone's going to get to be in there? You know? Never. Like it's just never going to happen, you know? Um, but uh, he's too. He needs to relinquish his brand before it'll happen again, I think. Hmm. Like he yeah, needs to like, stop being like Stallone. Like he's got another Expendables movie coming out. You know what I mean? Like he, he yeah. needs to stop. He might win an Emmy. Maybe he'll win an Emmy for Tulsa King. Who knows? Well, I remember at the time, not to, well, we could talk about this in Creed too, but I remember at, like reading about people were like, oh, he's getting in his own way again with Creed 2. He's not, people didn't even want a Creed 2. Right. Right. I definitely remember that. Um, man. Uh okay so so yeah um uh, Donnie and Bianca get food they get a uh, cheesesteaks yeah. right is that mm-hmm. yeah cheesesteaks um and uh, Bianca explains that she has progressive hearing loss which is important over the course of the Creed movies um yeah it's uh something that she is like has known about herself for a long time and so at least in this first movie she seems to be more or less at peace with it or just like a fact that she accepts about herself. Mm-hmm. I had a Spanish teacher who had progressive sight loss um, where she was, uh, she said she described it as like, you know, every year a, a, mm. a darkness was coming in, like just like coming into her vision from the outside, like, like yeah. just like kind of like soaking in so that her, her vision was getting like kind of narrower and, more tunnely. Um yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah. And eventually she wouldn't be able to drive anymore and then she would be completely blind, I think, by fifty or something like that. Oh man. Yeah. Um Yeah, it's it, I hadn't it, thought about this. It feels the they, they have this conversation where he's like, you know, uh, later in the movie where he's like, is, is that scary knowing that that's gonna happen? And she's like very brave about it, but like I don't know that, but I guess I am the Adonis in this situation where I'm just like, that sounds terrifying. Like knowing that that's happening and feeling it happen progressively just. Oh gosh. Yeah. I'm I'm sure it is. I'm sure there are moments of absolute like where you have to be, just let that terror in just to process it. Yeah. Yeah. Of like, like death, I suppose it's like this kind of, you, you kind of can't fully wrap your head around it, but it is like an inevitability. Yeah. Um, you know what? I, I don't even know. And maybe this is something that comes up in Creed three. I don't think it comes up in Creed two, but the parallel of an, an athlete also has a truncated half-life. Right. Where, you know, an, an athlete has to deal with the fact of like, well, I'm, I'm 39 and already done doing the thing that I, the one thing I know how to do and love. Right. And there's like a kind of a not a not a doomed aspect, but both these people have a very finite time that they're going to be allowed to do the thing that they love doing. That's true. Oh man, that's really good. That's there's a lot of that in this movie of like unspoken stuff, unspoken yeah. like connections between characters and things. Like here's a really funny one. 
<laughs> the next scene that happens, Rocky goes to the cemetery and we find out that Polly is passed. Um, mm-hmm. And he has a grave right next to really funny. Um, I promise. Uh, <laughs> he has a grave right next to Adrian. Go on. Yes, right next to Adrian. Um, and uh, and it's Polly's birthday. Mm-hmm. And so I lo- this is such a funny joke that I bet is really funny on the page in the script, but they don't call it, bring attention to it at all in the scene is the fact that he brings Polly four roses and Adrian one. Because oh, it, because wow. it's four roses bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah, you can almost see Rocky like chuckling to himself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just I love that. I, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. So uh, you know we've been talking about how unexpectedly personal this movie is, mm-hmm. and I did read a cool anecdote <clears throat> and kind of we've been talking about you know Kugler's. You know, we talk a lot about auteurs and how you kind of gleam a lot. Like, you know, God knows if you watch like a Hitchcock movie or a Tarantino movie, you can kind of gleam their maybe aspects of their opinion on women in real life. And there's this story that Google I read in like a, a Philadelphia magazine where they're like, hey, you know, Adonis and Bianca really go to a Philly cheesesteak place on their first date. Like, what was that about? And he says, well, I remember like going to Philadelphia for the first time when I was in high school on like a school trip and being really like thrown off my balance in a cool way by the women there like i'm from california so i'm used to like west coast women and like that kind of like socal energy and then the kind of hyper verbal hyper brain like what are you doing put that down like you know challenging he just remembers that feeling that excitement of like whoa this is this is different i kind of like this and so he was channeling that in their this scene and like it's cool to watch because adonis is very like he doesn't quite know how to talk to Bianca, but he's so curious mm-hmm. and is like excited by her and like being like challenging him. And it's I don't know. I think it's it's just another example of like it's un- it's unfortunate how unique this is with like big like male filmmakers. But mm-hmm. it's I don't know. It's, it's something I clocked this time. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the amount of respect that he has for his female characters is, um, it is, it is sad how much it stands out, uh, uh, you know, amongst everyone, everyone else. It's kind of crazy. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So then after this, Rocky starts to train him. Um, you know, there's like a, a scene where he's like about to read the newspaper to Adrian uh, catch her it up. Was a, not, not to downplay how fucking heartbreaking and well acted that that whole scene is with Stallone. Oh yeah, it's so good. Um, but yeah, he's uh he's gonna he's gonna bust out the newspaper and start reading, and then he he just I think realizes that he's got something else to update her on, and then I think we don't see it. We don't that scene is not played at all. But you can tell he's about to be like, well, actually, this is what's going on. <laughs> And he talks with Adrian and talks himself into training Adonis, Mm -hmm. I think is what happened there. Um, And so, yeah, he's going to start training him. And uh, uh, Donnie agrees to a fight um, with the the Mickey Club champ. Um, Mm -hmm. The, the, yeah. uh, The the gym leader of this gym. Yeah, totally. Um, And uh, and so so Rocky's going to start training him full time and, and Donnie moves in with Rocky. And we get this really fun scene at 545 where his alarm goes off, but then it turns out his alarm didn't go off 
it's Rocky blaring music from the living room and he's dancing and he's like, this is a great way to work to, to warm up. <laughs> he's just dancing. It, it's, it's really great. It's our, I think it's Rocky at his most uh, grandpa. Yeah, totally. Totally. Like, um, uh, you know, you mentioned the scene earlier where Adonis finds out that Bianca is like a professional musician and has like a gig. Uh, I think there's almost a cool mirror of that scene where Bianca learns that like Adonis's uncle is Rocky Balboa. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I'm like, oh, this person's a more. There's more to meets the eye with this person. Yeah, yeah, but it's also fun because, like, you know that she doesn't follow boxing, but also, like, Rocky Balboa is like a Philadelphia legend, like a Philadelphia hero. So she's like, yeah. well, I mean, I know who Rocky Balboa is. He's Rocky Balboa. I I live <laughs> in Philly. You know, it, it 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 is it is like good world building because sometimes you can forget like. Wait, who are these characters? Sometimes even in the MCU and stuff, you can forget who these characters are in relation to, quote, like, ordinary people. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, so, yeah, we get the scene where he's like, yeah, let's, uh, we're not going to go to the, to, to Mickey's. We're going to go to another gym. It's, it's close by. Follow me and <laughs> I'm going to drive there and you're going to try and keep up, uh, running. And, uh, and it's, it is. Not even dawn when they leave. And it is full-blown morning by the time they get there. So uh, that was a long trip. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they're in, the, uh, they're the, in the gym from Rocky Balboa. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's where, that's where Rocky some, trained. Um, let's in, build you some hurting bombs. Yeah, it's that guy. Because it's that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hurting bombs. It's great. <laughs> it's... It's like in like uh, when you see like a random character from Rogue One pop up. Yay! It's yeah, <laughs> it's good. Um, so uh, so yeah, so he um, he uh, he trains him at that gym, and and uh, eventually, you know, he does the chicken thing and the the whole the whole nine yards. Um, it is a low key. There are two training montages in this movie, and both of them are so artistically done they they're barely recognizable as montages. Um, it's very impressive. Um, yeah, yeah. I will they're say almost too good. Yeah, they're almost too good. The same cannot be said about the two Creed sequels. I will say. I say I, the, the montages are montages. Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, but that's good too. I like that too. Um, but uh, yeah. So he, we get the the single take fight. Yes. Yes. Um, there's is... a there's a few great oneers in Creed. Yes. Yes. But this is like. The yeah, this is the oneer. Um, it's it's two rounds of a boxing match done in one take. And uh, do you know how many takes this took? I don't. But okay. I there's an argument to be made. This is like the the most impressive fight scene in like the whole franchise. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um, and it's only two rounds, which is also very realistic for boxing uh, in general. Right. Um, but it's it's a stunning sequence because it's it's also very Spielbergian in terms mm -hmm. of like a oneer that you don't necessarily realize is a oneer the first time you see it. 
because you're yeah. just focused on the action that's happening that you're not realizing that you haven't cut, you know, like the like the like the one in Jaws. For sure. Yeah, it's definitely more that flavor than, you know, your Birdman or your Children of Men. Totally, totally. Which is just like, and now we are entering Wonder Town. Here we go. <laughs> Start start your cool watches out. now. <laughs> now. <laughs> didn't didn't mean to accidentally call out two of the three amigos just now. It just kind of happened. Well, I, they both are obsessed with wonders. Um yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh yeah. super super complicated wonders. I got verklempt. I got so emotional and it kind of just showed you how in I am with this journey already. When like, you know, when when Adonis wins and he's like, "We got one, Rock. We got one." I'm like, "Fuck, they did." I like I love this team so much. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Um, but it really breaks your heart how like how hungry Adonis is mm -hmm. for like to have like a father figure in his life, like yep. to have someone with him on this journey. Yep, yep. That's um, <laughs> that's something that's like really interesting about his character in terms of like uh, uh, of that of like the fact that yeah, like his whole basis of this character is that he does not have a father figure. Um, and that he's always been, it seems hungry for one, but in denial about that fact, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it, it would be a choice for him to be very much like, don't touch me. I'm good. Like will hunting. Like I don't need anybody, but like even Rocky, Rocky, a human like Labrador is surprised when Adonis is already calling him unk, like their second time meeting. And he's like, whoa. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So right before the fight, the trainer looked into Adonis and realized that he is a Creed, that he is Apollo Creed's son. And he's like, we got to put that on the poster. You know how many more seats we could sell? And Rocky's yeah. like, hey, I don't, he doesn't want, he wants to, you know, do it on his own. He wants to be a, a Adonis Johnson. Like, just let him. Let him do that. Like, do me, do me a solid, and like, don't, don't, don't tell anyone. Roll right after the fight. It leaks to the press. Um, yeah. Yeah. Somehow, uh, somehow, someone who was probably really mad about the outcome of the fight uh, <laughs> told the press uh, the truth about about Adonis, and um, that's how Bianca finds out on her phone. Right. Right. Um. And uh, and yeah, and then we we meet pr pretty Ricky. Um, who, so pretty Ricky is, you know, I think we talked about this in, in Rocky Balboa where we were like, which is the more forgettable opponent? Is it pretty Ricky or is it the guy from Rocky Balboa who Mason you know, the line Dixon? Yes. Mason, the line Dixon, which one is more forgettable? I gotta go with Mason, the line Dixon on this because Pretty Ricky's, I forgot how compelling Pretty Ricky's story is, which is that he's right, going yeah. to prison in six months and is desperate to have like one last big win before he, he goes away for seven years and his career is over forever. Yeah, he has this line on, oh my God, it's so cool. It's kind of like, you know, in Rocky, it's like a TV on in a bar. And it's like, hey, hey, turn it up. And that's how a lot of exposition is delivered. But here it's it's Adonis watching like HBO Sports on his iPad. Right. And in that scene, like, yeah, Ricky Conlon is like, yeah, I'm about to waste my my great my prime years in jail. Yeah. So I want one last fight. And yeah, it's it's there's a pathos to him. That's really compelling. Yeah. Yeah. 
Whereas like Mason Dixon is just like, I'm too rich and successful. I can't, I don't have anyone to fight. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Man. Uh, Also Ricky Conley, pretty Ricky Conley. He's so, he's that kind of athletic where the first, he's so, the people that scare me are the ones that don't look like Michael B. Jordan. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. When, when Ricky takes off his shirt, you're like, oh, that kind of looks like me, but I know you're, I know that, I, that you know, that's not the case. So like, yeah. what, where is it? <laughs> yeah. I know whatever is under there is, uh, <laughs> can really mess me up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah, that's good. But it is funny how he is a real boxer and this was in he shot this in the like before he retired he retired in 2018 okay oh, yeah and so like he was he was fighting at this point like this this is what he looked like um and yeah, yeah. and i feel like that's what most boxers look like they don't usually look like you know rocky and rocky 3 or or adonis in this movie yeah, it's like that's the Hollywood boxer. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's almost like they they don't want the muscles exposed like mm-hmm. that. You know, like they don't want to have abs because if they have abs, that just that doesn't mean like like I have abs. You just can't see them, right? Like, but that's maybe that's what they want. They want that little bit of layer of protection. You know, yeah, like you hear about like Henry Cavill and what have you dehydrating for twenty four hours. Totally, and, like an athlete would never do that. Like a fighter wouldn't do that. I don't right. think. Right? Yeah, um, they're not. It's not about vanity. Um, yeah. and he's our first. Uh, he's our first UK antagonist. I think. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The final fights in London, which is cool. Um, pretty pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, no, I like this guy. I really, I really mm-hmm. like this guy. Um, and I like his final moment in the fight, not to skip all the way to the end, but like, sure. I just like this guy. Like, I, I, I really like this guy. <laughs> I think he's, he's way more likable than, than, than Mason Dixon. I don't even, I don't even mind Mason, but like, I think he is the, I think, I think he wins the award for most forgettable yeah. opponent. Like his plot, his, his arc isn't even, that's kind of just like a pale imitation of what Apollo's arc was in the first Rocky. Totally. With none of the theatrics, none of the mm. panache, panache. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, so yeah. So they go into uh, uh, they're basically pretty. Ricky's trainer is like, you got to fight. This is this is it. You fight this uh, guy, played by Graham McTavish, which Hell I didn't yeah. pick up on back Hell in yeah. the day. Um, but he's like, you got to fight this guy. You fight this guy. Like this is a good one to go out on, right? Um, and, uh, he's like, it'll be easy. It'll mean something good done. Like that's, that, that's it. That's that, that's what you want. Um, and so like pretty Ricky, like begrudgingly agrees. Uh, but, uh, the trainer shows up at Rocky's place, takes him a couple of days to get out there from like Ireland or wherever the hell he was. <laughs> um, yeah. and, uh, and he gets out there and he's like, he's like, look, you got to change your name if we're going to do this because there's no fight without it. Uh, and so, you know, that's when that's when that that starts happening. And so, like, yeah, mm-hmm. he has to think about it for a while. He talks to Rocky about it. But eventually he was like, 
I'm going to fight pretty Ricky Connolly. And he's, and it's such, that is such a good performance, that line, because he's like a little kid. And then the reality hits him also of like, this is going to be the hardest thing I ever do. It's an incredible close up. Yeah. It's like Kugler lets the moment. It's almost like you get, it's like the graduate, the ending of the graduate (laughs) mixed, mixed with like Luke Skywalker staring at the two sons. Totally. Because it's like he's brimming with like purpose, but also fear, but also like a little geeking out almost. Yeah. It's like it's like Ray seeing the ghosts of all the Skywalkers. Yeah. And realizing what her name is. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> Gonna fight pretty Ricky Conley. That would have been great if at the end of Creed you just see like Force Ghost Adrian, Force Ghost Polly, Force Ghost Mickey. Not Apollo. Just not them. Apollo. No. Not Apollo. Classic Star Wars. <laughs> uh man. Um so uh so yeah, so he he takes the deal and um they're gonna start training heavy and as soon as they do, uh Rocky collapses while he's while he's mm-hmm. training him and then we find out that he's got the big cancer. Yes. <laughs> Good callback. <laughs> uh and yeah, it's another heartbreaking scene where like you 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 Stallone, you let him see it he you see him lose it for like half a beat like despair anger fear and then just like utter acceptance because he's like i honestly i i could have i could have left a few years ago mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like i saw what chemotherapy did to adrian i don't have anything to live for like i'm i'm good yeah. um and I, then that leads me to the this the 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 next mistake i think the movie makes which mm-hmm. is the scene where he tells Adonis that he doesn't want the treatment and he says like, we're not really family. Like that was just all in your head. You know, like I'm nothing to you, whatever. And I understand intellectually what is happening here, right? Like he is what, what Kugler's trying to accomplish here is like saying that like he, he doesn't mean this. He's trying to chase the kid away so that he doesn't have an excuse to fight. He doesn't want to fight anymore, so he's, like, trying to chase the kid away, so he's like, I don't have anything to live for. I can just die. It's fine. You know? It's a go-on-get. Yeah, go-on-yeah, totally. That's what, that's what it is. But despite the fact that Rocky immediately regrets saying it, right, he says to himself, like, ah, oh, what'd, you, what'd you do? What'd you just say? Like, why'd you do that? It is the most out of character I think Rocky has ever been. I I just, I don't believe for a second Rocky would ever say that to anyone. Right. Um, It's just not in his character. And, and I think that Ryan Coogler's defense of this and the way that he probably convinced Stallone to do it is probably like, well, he's out of sorts right now. Like this is the most distraught he's ever, he just got his death sentence. Right. Right. So like, He's acting out of character because, like, his life is out of character in this moment. Um, mm-hmm. But I still, we've seen Rocky's life out of character <laughs> a lot. Um, and he's never said anything like that to anybody. I mean, the shit that Polly's done to him, and he was always <laughs> right. there. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. 
Um, it, it's it's the most out of character that Rocky is in this movie, and it creates a wheel spinning, wheel spinning drama for like a half dozen scenes of like going back and forth between like yeah. I'm mad at you, I'm sorry, but now I'm mad at you, and like because what do you? Because what do you think is right after this, you know, that breaks Adonis's heart. And so he goes directly to Bianca's show. Right. And that guy, I think the main act of the show, because Bianca's the opener, calls him Baby Creed. And again, out of Creed, just Adonis lashes out. And then we have to get the like knock on the door. I'm sorry. Rocky's yeah. sick. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Like kind of yeah. the wheel spinning? Right. And then like, I'm sorry, Rocky's sick. And she's like, well, whatever. I'm still mad at you. And he goes, but also he goes to jail and Rocky comes to bail him out. And he was like, fuck you, old man, like whatever. And I'm just like, I, it's just like six scenes in a row of like people being like assholes to each other who actually love each other. And I'm Mm. like, this doesn't feel accurate to me. Like, I don't think you need the Rocky stuff. Rocky being like, we're not really family for him to lash out at the guy at the show for calling him baby creed like he would still be like rocky's on, dying oh my god yeah, yeah yeah rocky's dying like my like the only father figure i've ever had you know <laughs> is dying and like that's really scary to me and this guy's calling me baby creed but also yeah i agree i think that's also out of character because if you remember correctly at the beginning of the movie when he's in that fight with that kid, there's like, he's always getting in fights. He's in fights all the time. He's always getting in scraps. It's because that kid like called his mom a name. Mm-hmm. He, he, yeah. he, he called Adonis's like biological mom, like, you know, a whore or something like that. Um, and so that's what get, got him in a fight. Not because the kid was calling him a name. Mm-hmm. He didn't call him like, creed's bastard or something like that like it were bastard creed <laughs> yeah or just called him a bastard like whatever like you know mm-hmm. like it wasn't anything like that it was he was defending someone's honor which feels right. more in line with adonis rather than somebody calling him baby creed which like he knows full well is nothing like like yeah, yeah. <laughs> who fucking cares he calls you ba- and even- it's like a it's like a nickname he's not trying to put you down like it's just yeah you know and the guy says that he's like, no, dude, I just like that's the one thing I know about you is that you're yeah, concerned. right. So like, I this whole this whole section of the movie is frustrating. It's thankfully only about five minutes of screen time in mm-hmm. total, but it is very frustrating. Of just like each scene is like someone switching about you're mad at me, no, I'm mad at you, over and over and over again until like everybody gets over it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, and you're like, we already know where this is going to end. Yeah. And- it's like everyone kind of playing a little less than their intelligence, which mm-hmm. is not fun. No, no. Um, yeah. You reminded me of something we, 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 did, we did go over. So back when Adonis moves in with Rocky, he, they, they move into Pauly's old room. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, two points. One, it would have meant the world to me if, like, in the corner, covered in cobwebs, you see the robot. <laughs> I think they long sold that due to uh, Rocky Five. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> the rob the robot stayed through everything that they lost. Yeah, Polly's begged him. No, <laughs> no, not the robot rock. Is <laughs> all I have. I love her. She's <laughs> all I got, buddy. Please. Um, I had kind of a dark. I had a thought of like, 
I think Paulie's fate in this and these are my words, these are not Scott's words. <laughs> I think this I think this is the fate that awaits uh most cisgendered men that don't that aren't able to start a family. Uh yeah. And I include myself in that statement of I Paul I think my arc with Paulie on this series of franchiseography is like this is the fate that awaits me oh, if I no. carry a carry on my my swing in bachelor ways <laughs> oh, no yes pa- Polly, the, the most swinging bachelor to ever hit philadelphia <laughs> foot loose fancy free <laughs> uh, oh god uh, oh man um so uh so yeah so then we get we get to like the sort of thesis of this movie, which is like an hour and a half in, we get the thesis mm. statement of the movie, which is, if I fight, you fight. Yeah. Brilliant. Like, just like a brilliant thesis statement of of, of a movie. And um, and then we get like some of the best acting of Stallone's career um, is here. We get We get the scene where he finds the picture of his son. And he yeah. like talks to him about that, and there's that extra layer of the fact that like Sage is dead, and yeah. he's having to come to terms with that as Stallone, and like you're getting that performance, and it's just that's a heartbreaker, you know. Um, but yeah, every everything. He, I think the thing, if anything, hurt him from winning the Oscar. I think it's the fact that the majority of his. Oscar worthy performance. I mean, the whole thing is great, right? But the, like the real like Oscar Beatty stuff happens in a twenty minute period, twenty minutes before the end of the movie, and an hour and a half into the movie. You know, right? Yeah. Um. And and so like I think that that's I think that's what hurt his shot. Yeah. And then I think in general, if I remember correctly, like why wasn't this in the Oscar conversation? Period. I just think MGM didn't really know what they had. I think it was nominated for Best Picture. Was it? Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Man. Oh, and you know what? We said Leonardo DiCaprio, and that's not even accurate because it was Best Supporting Actor. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it, w- it must have been like Michael Keaton in Searchlight or something. It was Mark Rylance Probably. in Bridge of Spies. I think we talked about that. I think we that did was this. My guess. We've done this before. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was, that was my guess, and I was right. Okay, Mark Rylance, Bridge of Spies. He's very good in that movie, but uh, still, I mean, Mark Rylance is going to get a lot of Oscars over the course of his career, I think. Um, man. Yeah. Well, and it's also like, yeah, because he's going to be in more Oscar-y movies, whereas people will cast Stallone in those. Right. Right. Uh, um, yeah. I mean, is, are we at the montage? Are we at the second montage? Yeah. Because like the second montage, the, the I fight, you fight montage, which is, yeah. you know, he's training while Stallone, while, while Rocky is, uh, is, is doing his uh, cancer treatment. I mean, yeah. I mean, we we're talking about iconic shots like Adonis shadow boxing while Rocky is sitting doing chemotherapy. I mean, that's I fight, you fight visualized. Yep. Yep. Um, and then. One of like I think like the most powerful uh, scene, and maybe Ryan Coogler's whole filmography for me is, um, you know, Adonis is like sprinting, he's running, and then he inspires the bikers to follow him, and it's like 
he's activating Philadelphia in his way. It in the way that did rarely did it's almost like pre-Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. Like it's unlocking an aspect of Rocky that those movies were never able to do. Honoring a part of Philadelphia that that phase of Rocky wasn't able to do in this really stirring organic way of like, holy shit, like Adonis Creed's the coolest guy in the world, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I call this sequence uh, the running of the wheelie poppers because uh, yeah. they're all just popping wheelies around him. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's like their whole yeah. thing. Because the guy, the the one kid is like earlier where it was like, mm-hmm. "You're you're 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 Apollo Creed son, son, right?" And he's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Cool," and he just takes off and pops a wheelie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now it's like him with all of his all all of his wheelie popping buddies. Yeah, and then yeah. like they're doing it for Rocky. They're like shouting out to Rocky. It just yeah, it gets me every time. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's really good. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, Ricky versus Donnie in London. It's the day of the fight, y'all. Yeah. And, um, uh, Donnie's mom, you know, uh, she's, she sends him Creed shorts. Only, uh, she has uh, gotten Johnson stitched on the back. So it's now it says Creed in the front, Johnson in the back. (laughs) (laughs) Just like a mullet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's, it's almost like a Harry Potter move of like, what's that, Harry? Oh, it's your father's shorts. Like, <laughs> yeah. It does. Just before like... the big fight. Yeah. Um, so he puts that on. Uh, we get that really great bit where he freaks out cause he has to take his shit. <laughs> As they're yeah. like explaining the rules of the fight. He's like, I'm freaking out. I gotta take a shit. You gotta cut my gloves off. And it just, it's, I just love it because it's just like, it's a moment. It's just a moment. Like, it's like, it, it, it's not like lead. It's not like setting anything up. It's just like, he's nervous and he, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's great. And it, it goes back to like someone who understands to the marrow, like what makes these movies so special and rewatchable. Cause we've talked about like those weird little awkward conversations that team Rocky would have on the way to the ring, you know, of like, mm-hmm. Oh, it does nothing but just build character and make Adonis more memorable than so many other legacy protagonists like him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's really good. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, uh, the fight's good. The fight's really good. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really well shot, really well choreographed. Um, yeah. I think I the it's really clearly communicated the arc of like Ricky slowly realizing, oh shit, I'm actually gonna have to try with this guy. Yeah, and how evenly it really, I really felt how evenly matched they were. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. It is, it is like it, it feels sort of tonally similar. I don't know how to describe what I'm meaning, but it mm-hmm. it feels very similar to the to the Balboa fight, except for like, you know, the, the chore- choreography, not like the pay-per-view. No, for sure. Shot it's of it. But yeah, like there, I think uh, there's that part where they just start trading blows mm-hmm. like over and over. That was very much like Mason versus Rocky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What do you think of, I think arguably the big like legacy sequel, like the garbage will do moment. 
is uh where like it's towards the end of the fight and you know rocky's like dude like i'm calling the fight <laughs> you know your eye can't open or whatever they do that thing where rocky cheats with his fingers so that adonis knows how many fingers the ref's holding up yeah and he's like why why do you want me to like why why you know and adonis is like i need to show that i'm that i'm not a mistake yeah and it, rocky's like oh shit it's like there it is this kind of the stone that this character has been keeping the entire movie of like i need to prove to the world that i'm not a mistake yeah and he's like you're not you're a creed like go and then the rocky theme just like kicks in hell yeah (laughs) it's such a moment oh man it's so good um yeah it's so good we did we did uh forget to mention the scene where (laughs) rocky comes by adonis's uh hotel room and he's just like awkwardly like comes in and like Hey, uh, hey, how are you doing? I'm, I'm going to sit over here. And he just like sits and he's like, uh, yeah. He's like, so did you, did you watch something? something? And he's like, yeah. He's like, oh, what was that? Oh, no, nothing, 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 nothing's going to happen knock, knock, at knock. the door. Yeah. It just, <laughs> I just love that was like a real Rocky scene of, oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's like Rocky kind of like that's classic him, but being like a grandpa, like, Helping his boy Adonis, um, so make up, presumably make up with his girlfriend, yeah. Presumably uh, they hook up that night. Oh, uh, Bianca and, and Adonis. That's what I thought. Is like, oh, they have sex right before the fight. Oh, I thought, um, I thought they specifically. He was like, as he was leaving, he's like, don't, don't. He's like, yeah, no, I, I. She's like, yeah, I know, I know the legs. I think you're right. Yeah, um, but there, I brought that reminded me of another moment that we skipped over that is incredible, where they. They fall asleep. Everyone falls asleep watching Skyfall, which on its own. <laughs> the idea of just watching Skyfall with Rocky Balboa. Oh, that's um, right. I forgot it. the ice cream. Oh, man. He he goes upstairs. I'll, you know, I'll go to sleep. They wake up, uh, Bianca and Adonis, and they start like making out. And Bianca's like, wait, what about Rocky? And Adonis is like, he's an old man. He's asleep. We're doing this. And <laughs> they have sex. And then the camera pans up, and you see Cuff or Link being forced to watch. Like, I saw the whole thing. And he's got one paw. He's got one, like, turtle paw <laughs> up on the glass. <sighs> like, like, it's, like Kate Winslet and Titanic. Yeah. Oh. It's amazing, because it's such a, it's another, like, only a true Rocky fan would be like, oh, well, where's Cuff and Link? You yeah, know? but then it's also there's like a the the thing that makes it is that you go there, but then it's a slow fade out. Yeah, <laughs> like it's a, like a slow like slow. It, like I think it's a cross fade, not not a fade to black. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. like it's it's a mood. <laughs> it's stellar. Oh, oh man. man. Uh, um. But yeah. Uh. Then the fight. The do fight, you? And it's good. I I love the cutting yeah. between everybody. I love cutting to um to uh to his mom. Uh, mm-hmm. I always forget what the second half of Marianne, right? Um, to mm-hmm. to Marianne watching the fight and her reactions to everything. I was like, man, that must have been a fun, easy day for you. <laughs> like, just <laughs> she filmed seventy percent of her scenes of her in that room reacting to stuff on that TV. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, um, good stuff though. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and it's a it's a. It's a really great fight, and it 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 you know it, 
um, Pretty Ricky wins in a split decision. Um, and it's this great moment where, you know, his legacy is intact, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like the only way that this could happen. Like, it's the only way this movie could end because this is a movie about legacy. And it's important that like everybody gets theirs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so, so he gets his legacy of like maintaining his like championship, whatever. Um, and, uh, and he goes over to him and he was like, Hey, you're the future of this, of this sport. That was amazing. Like, holy shit. So much respect. <laughs> and like, just immediately they're both like old buddies. Just immediately. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love it. I love that. Uh, one of the commentators says it pretty succinctly of like Conley won the fight, but Creed won the night. Mm-hmm. And the, you, you know, you made the, the decision to shoot, to have the fight in London and show everyone like totally booing Creed makes it all the more because they're like cheering his name at the end of the fight, which is like, oh, yeah, he won the respect of this crowd that was there to see their guy wipe the floor with him. Right. Right. Oh, man. So good. Mm-hmm. Uh, good fight. Uh, good ending. He's got his 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 speech. His post-fight speech where yep. he, you know, publicly makes peace with his dad. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, you know, if that happened in real, I could see that guy becoming the people's champ for the next two movies. Mm-hmm. Of like, mm-hmm. we're in love with this guy. This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah, it's just such an earnest moment, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, then we go back to Philly and... Uh, Rocky wants to Rock, Rocky's over his it seems like he's over his cancer treatment and so now he's like training to be like you know back to normal and so he's just trying mm-hmm. to walk up the steps the the Philly steps the famous steps yeah yeah a lot and of emotions a lot of yeah it's I mean I could see why you would want to like not make another creed like it's yeah. kind of a perfect ending of like this young man running up those steps, you know, to train to become a boxer. And then in the end, you know, w- training to like get over his cancer, like by just walking up yeah. the steps, you know, it's. Uh, it's and then like the last shot of like, you see the back of Rocky with the back of Adonis and it's like. Okay, he's old, he's broken, time will catch up to him eventually, but he's not alone. Right. He's found this person, and then, like, you know, I think the last line is, like, oh, you can see your whole life from up here. And he goes, how does it look? And he goes, pretty pretty good. How about yours? Pretty good. Yeah. And, like, oh, shit. Yeah. The only the only thing, though, like, the heartbreaking thing about this is, like, I got nothing, him being, like, I got nothing to live for, is that he literally has a son. Like, he has a son. <laughs> Yeah. Like I know Sage Stallone passed away, but like the the character Robert, Robert is alive and played by Milo Ventimiglia. He moved and, to a, a a place called Vancouver. Yeah, and never <laughs> yeah, and never Rocky never told him about his cancer scare. Yeah, he was just it's, completely cut out of this and and 
He's got a new, he's got a new son. He's got a he's yeah. got a nephew now. <laughs> it's it's a bummer. It's a bummer that like the only way for this movie to hit the way that it does is to kind to a degree render the ending of Rocky Balboa a little meaningless. Yeah. Yeah. Of like somehow Robert cuz like they're not yeah, they're like they're not close. They can't be close for this movie to work the way that it does. Yeah. Um but it's just kind of like it's awkward. It, I think that sometimes happens in real life unfortunately. Yeah. Where it's like grab a kid. <laughs> I'm going to mention this now because I don't I don't know if Polly comes up at all in Creed 2. Um, you know, being that he's dead and has been dead for a while. Um, <laughs> I I I do think the one thing that the Creed franchise is missing is a Polly. For he for yeah. for Adonis. Like a like he Donnie's needs a he needs a Polly. Um, and I think they're trying to like have uh, Rocky be the Polly and the Mick, and I it, it's not it it's not the same. It's just not the same. Yeah. Like he needs somebody He's, from his neck of the woods, you know, his buddy, his Polly. Like Rocky is a wife guy, mm-hmm. and Adonis also seems like a wife guy, but even more so because he doesn't have just like that one kind of greasy buddy that he's maybe not supposed to have but he can't get rid of because yeah that's my boy yeah i guess that's what creed 3 is about <laughs> oh okay oh wow so it'd be like if paulie like got prison ripped <laughs> yeah and like came out looking for revenge yeah 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 all right i guess there's that um in any event uh i think i think he needs like he needs a little he he needs a, a little uh, supporting character, a buddy who um, is a little uh, another do well and uh, a little uh, like, you know, comic relief that can like sucker punch you with like, yeah. Like, oh, oh, this is getting real now. OK, OK. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say something and like I feel a little like cheesy for saying it because like this is this is someone that i just happened to to know in real life and know as a good person but like paul hauser would be really good oh man yeah 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 that's true he would be good uh well i just always feel a little bit like an entourage character and i'm like yeah paul would be great in this right like <laughs> sure yeah <laughs> absolutely i get that uh or yeah. like yeah, like, uh, yeah, no, th- yeah, just give him, yeah, uh, and maybe, yeah, in Creed 4, give him, like, a cool, like, a yeah. Joe Pesci kind of support. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or, like, the, uh, the, like, black equivalent, um, of a Joe Pesci, whatever that would be. Of, like, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. Oh, no, yeah, no, I don't. Uh, like, yeah, like, give, like, the Keith Stanfield, like, a really big character to play. Oh, that that's perfect. That's exactly that's it. That's it. Yeah. You you need to be able to imagine him going up to Adonis and being like, I lost everything, man. I fucked up. Like Yeah. Yeah. Also also I, I kinda love Lakeith Stanfield because I can also picture him and Polly hanging out. Oh wow. Like yeah. like like as like a comedy duo. You know, because they're mm-hmm. like one's like tall and lanky and one's like short and stout and like yeah, you know, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> oh Perfect. man, I love I love that. They're like an R two D two C three PO combo. <laughs> oh, oh man. Um, 
any any closing thoughts on Creed, Scott? Could have been the robot. Um, oh, absolutely. <laughs> it could have just been the robot. The robot was the poly. Get like has, Kevin Hart. Has, he downloaded his essence into the robot. Uh, hey, Rocco, what's going on? <laughs> they just got a, they got they got Bert back just to do a voiceover. <laughs> and Bert Young yeah, is like Polly, but it's like an acronym. <laughs> oh man, and the A is a four. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> uh, this kid, so it's got something, Rocco. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, got like a little he's got like the little hat and like a stogie yeah oh man that's good uh <sighs> yeah i'm gonna be it's gonna be interesting when we rank these mm-hmm. like this owes so much <sighs> to rocky like that's you know we've gone into detail of like it is such a product of what came before and that's why it 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 has so much weight but also just on its own merits it's like a, a very well-made mass like blockbuster movie it's certainly, I mean, yeah, I, it's undeniable that it's better than like half of the Rocky movies, you know? So mm-hmm. at, at the very least, um, if not like all, but maybe one, you know, it's just, uh, yeah. it's such a good and movie. And I don't know about you, but I haven't seen Rocky, I haven't seen Creed 2 since theaters. Correct. Which we saw together, which is a story that we will share with everyone <laughs> next week. Yes. <laughs> Can't wait! I'm uh, really excited to. Is to that see how, I, wait, wait, wait? Is Creed two the first movie we've covered on this show that we saw for the first time together? I think so. Nothing's jumping out at me. No. Wow. We're crossing the threshold, buddy. Like we didn't even see Scream five together. No. No. Well, oh, Jurassic World. We saw Jurassic World. Did we? Dominion. Oh, oh Dominion. Well, yeah, but that was like, I mean, yeah. I guess I I I that had just happened. Like, that was like, that was, yes. that was like this, a brand new movie. This uh, is like part of the backstory is going to be you and I going to see this together. Yeah. And the, and the, the story that we have to share about that experience. Yes. Uh, Can't wait. But uh, yeah, thank you for listening. This was, uh, you know, found a lot more to love about a movie that I already loved before. Yeah. So, um, it was, uh, yeah, it, it, it was, it was cool jumping back on the, the research train with this one. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, next week, Creed 2. Strong.